This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking to Dr. Eleanor Adams, a public health physician who supervises the New York Metropolitan Region Healthcare Epidemiology and Infection Control Program. We'll be discussing an outbreak of a fungal infection in health facilities in New York City. Welcome, Dr. Adams. Thank you. Can we get a bit of biology first? Um, what's the difference between a fungus and a bacteria? Certainly. I think biology is always a good way to start. So bacteria are unicellular organisms, meaning they're composed of a single cell, and they don't have organelles that are enclosed in a membrane or a true nucleus. This might take you back to high school biology a little bit. Um, but in contrast, fungi, like plants and animals, are multicellular organisms. And we as humans are more closely related to fungi than to bacteria. Your article is about Candida auris in a New York healthcare setting. What is it and how dangerous is it? That's a good question. You might be familiar with some other species of Canada, such as Canada albicans, which is a common cause of oral thrush and urinary tract infections. Canada auris, it turns out, is a related species that's re recently emerged in multiple continents and around the globe. And what's concerning is that it's often resistant to antifungal medications. In our paper, we described the first 51 clinical Canada auris cases, and we found that all but one uh, of these cases had Canada auris that was resistant to a commonly used antifungal drug called fluconazole. And a quarter were resistant to both fluconazole and amphotericin B, which is another antifungal medication option that's not used as frequently. But there aren't that many classes of antifungal medications, so it's a bit worrisome to find a fungus with this type of antifungal resistance. And who is most at risk of um, Candida auris? So we found that most of the cases here in New York State have had current medical conditions. Um, for example, they might need uh, respiratory support on a ventilator or have neurologic disease or diabetes, just to name a few examples. Um, and we also found that the majority of our patients had spent a lot of time recently in healthcare facilities, especially hospitals and nursing homes. Um, and we also found it interesting that we actually aren't seeing Canada auris in some populations for which one might commonly see fungal diseases, such as um, children. Um, and we also haven't seen it in otherwise healthy people in the community yet, I will say. There seems to be a problem with labs misidentifying it, and it's often resistant, as you said, to antifungal drugs. How does this happen? Antimicrobial resistance is due to overuse. Why are fungi becoming resistant, and does this impact patient care? So we've been very lucky because our colleagues at our state laboratory, which is called Wadsworth Center, found um, by looking at the first our first 99 cases um, that they received that over a third had originally been misidentified as a related species, which is called Canada hemoloniae. And there were also 13 other yeasts that were sent up and uh, that had not been identified, and 11 were found to be Canada auris. Um, so all this is to say that Canada auris, you know, was initially very hard to identify, 
Um, but our lab has learned under what conditions it likes to grow in culture and have um, developed other techniques such as RT-PCR. And we've also found that other diagnostic devices that are used in labs have been able to update their reference databases. So um, identification has definitely improved, but this has definitely um, been a challenge, um, especially, you know, when this was initially emerging. Um, and to answer your second question of why are fungi becoming resistant, I think I'd say, you know, I wish I knew the answer to that. Um, uh, for Canada oris in particular, you know, we're not quite sure, but we do know that some species of fungi are naturally resistant to treatment with certain antifungal medications. And um, there's a good chance that could be the case with Canada oris, given the, the high rate of resistance to fluconazole. But we also know that some uh, species can develop resistance over time due to antifungal overuse. Um, and, uh, you know, that's similar to something we see with bacteria with antibiotic overuse. And uh, this also probably is true for Canada oris as well. In other countries, it has developed additional resistance uh, very rapidly, and we're watching to see if that happens here. Okay, so it was found in New York City, and epidemiologists traced patients' contact and tested them for the fungus. Can you explain what that process looked like? Sure. So once we found our first few cases, uh, we did quite a bit of true gumshoe epi. So this is boots on the ground type of work. So we have excellent nursing home and hospital partners, and they helped us track these patients and their contacts. So basically, we started with phone calls and said, where have these patients been? And then tried to see who they had come in contact with in the past 90 days. So who were their roommates? Um, uh, did they have any procedures where they could have been close to other patients? That sort of work. And then we tried to locate those contacts and swab them to see if they were colonized with Canada oris. And that means we were looking to see if they had Canada oris on their body but didn't have an active infection. Um, and, but we were trying to see if it had spread in that way. And all of this was done by a special team that we put together to respond to this pathogen. And we did many other activities as well. We um, swabbed patient environment to learn about how this acted in the environment. We had educational sessions to increase awareness and get the word out, so to speak. And um, we also were very lucky that our state lab, Wadsworth Center, surged its capacity, really testing thousands of specimens, which is many more than their usual volume of work. So this process has been very detailed, very uh, resource-intensive, but seems to be worth the effort. Uh, your study also examined the infection control precautions at some of the affected healthcare facilities. What did this examination reveal? So that's correct. We did conduct quite a few infection control assessments, um, and we found that adherence to the recommended infection control practices um, and recommendations, some of which were very new, um, did vary. And we did find some specific areas where infection control could be improved. Um, as an example, we found places where more alcohol-based hand sanitizer dispensers could be installed, 
to make it easier for staff to perform hand hygiene. Uh, and we found some um, areas where it would be better to post clear isolation signs, just to give you a few examples. And we were very lucky that our um, facility partners have worked hard to make the changes. Um, but this still you know, illustrated, you know, the challenge that a new emerging pathogen with new infection control recommendations can pose. Was the investigation able to track down the source of these infections? Well, that's a that's a good question. I think the answer is yes and no. So. Um, CDC's laboratory conducted some testing to look at the genetic relatedness of our isolates in New York, and they did find that um, most were highly related um, and related to a, a clade of Canada aurus that was from Southeast Asia. So we likely did have introduction from abroad and then subsequent local spread, but I can't tell you, you know, the exact time that this was imported into New York or the exact case. So I think there's still a mystery that will probably never fully unravel. So the data you looked at was from July 2016 to April 2017. Are there still any confirmed cases of it in New York City? Yes, um, we still continue to find new cases. Um, We are seeing what I would say would be a steady increase in clinical cases, but we haven't actually seen, seen an exponential increase which hopefully means that our case tracking and infection control efforts are making an impact, Um, but we'll have to see the trajectory as time goes on. Is this outbreak somehow endemic to New York, or can healthcare facilities in other states be experiencing it and not necessarily be aware of it? Well, it has been found in um, at least 10 other states, with the most cases in New Jersey and Illinois. And since laboratory identification is difficult, it could be in other states, but I think over the past two years, laboratories have started to look harder for this, and there are now regional laboratories that can test a suspicious isolates. So hopefully, we're detecting most of the Canada forests out there. Okay. And um, one final question, Dr. Adams. How did you become interested in this issue? Uh, Well, that's a good question. I have always loved public health epidemiology and uh, have loved tracking the latest disease. I will say that sometimes the organism picks you, and that's what seems to have happened with us here in New York with Canada Auris. But I'm lucky I've got a great uh, team that's passionate about protecting our most vulnerable patients. And, you know, that's very motivating to work with um, such a dedicated group and, and dedicated partners. And honestly, how can you not be interested in a newly emerging fungal species, you know, with a name like Oris, which is a Latin word for ear? You know, this is, this is just fascinating stuff. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Adams, for taking the time to talk with us today. Listeners can read the October 2018 article, Candida Oris in Healthcare Facilities, New York, USA, 2013 through 2017, online at cdc.gov EID. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.